0: Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. The month of November, we're talking about money in a series uh, called Don't Talk About Money, all right? And so we're diving into this morning the idea, as I uh, kind of alluded to last week, uh, we're going to dive into what does the Bible say about how much we're to give? Uh, A lot of times when we think of, uh, of giving in general, that's the first question we ask. Uh, we ask, okay, how much do I, how, um, I think it was Dan at the Menger Tree, we were talking a little bit about this area, and he said sometimes the mindset that we get into is who I at the checkout to. Like that's the mindset uh, uh, when we come to church is, okay, how much is, how much is it gonna cost me? How much am I supposed to give? How much does the Lord require of me? And, uh, and what we've found to be the case in the last two weeks and what we're going to find again uh, to be the emphasis more today, even though we're talking about the question how much, uh, is that the Lord's metric is not the metric that we would often think of. The Lord is looking, as I said a moment ago, toward a cheerful disposition of giving, toward a joyful disposition of praise. Uh, He's looking at the heart and really what we're going to see today is the amount that we give isn't so much what is commanded as much as it is to help us diagnose our own hearts. And I hope that we'll see that today as we dive into uh, this topic and really just answer the question, what about the tithe, okay? Many people, when they talk about money uh, in the church, they're talking a little bit about the tithe and they're defining these words. And I want us just to do that this morning and see what does the Bible talk about uh, in the area of this tithing? How much are we supposed to give back to God Uh, in our lives and i want to start with matthew chapter number six because it's going to reinforce what we've been saying the last couple of weeks in that it starts at the heart Uh, and then from there we're going to springboard into what does the bible say about how much we give so matthew chapter number six starting in verse 19 i'm just going to read the uh, three verses here Uh, chapter number six verse 19 through 20 and the bible says this it says Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. He's basically just saying, don't invest all your money into the things of this earth, okay? Don't invest all of your resources here on things on the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. That stuff can be corrupted, can die, can, I mean, paper money can just, like that right? You can accidentally rip it. You can, uh, you can uh, burn it. All of those, it, it can be corrupted in some way and people can steal it. That can happen here on earth. So don't put all of your chips uh, into, on, in on one thing here on earth. Uh, he says, but rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Invest on those things which are eternal where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where three thieves do not break through nor steal. And then Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we dive into this passage, and uh, Lord, as we really dive into the uh, entirety of your word on this topic, uh, Lord, I pray that you would just help uh, me to say it in a way that is uh, straight from you. Lord, would it would it be characterized by the grace of you, Lord, that you would uh, just let every single one of us receive your word uh, in the way that it's intended this morning god i pray that each and every one of us would in turn also evaluate ourselves and evaluate our own hearts lord in this area and the way that uh, we give back to you of the resources that you've so graciously given to us and lord i pray that in this time whatever you speak to us about and however you speak to us through your word help us to respond lord in humility lord help us to respond to you we pray all this in Jesus' name, <clears throat> amen. Well, if you've been with us the past couple of weeks, we uh, you know that we've been in this series for, uh, this is the third week now, we're going to do one more week next week, but uh, <clears throat> we've been talking about what does the Bible say about our finances, about our resources that are provided to us by God, and specifically... We've been talking uh, uh, and looking about at what the Bible says about how we steward those resources and even more specifically we've been talking about what the Bible how the Bible describes followers of Jesus to be generous giving people the the New Testament is uh, there's plenty of uh, portions of Scripture where Jesus gives a story of it, or um, or of Jesus Himself exemplifying it, or uh, of Paul saying something to the to that extent, or of Paul giving an example of someone who was a generous and giving person. And we see it all through the Book of Acts that many people um, maybe they didn't have resources. I think in my mind right now, Acts chapter number three, where uh, Peter and John show up to the gate called Beautiful and see this lame man asking for money, and they say, "We don't got any money," but what we do have, we're going to give to you, and they still had a spirit of giving, whether it was the message of the gospel, whether it was of their own goods and resources, as we see in the very next chapter in the book of Acts, when Barnabas sells all that he has and gives it to the needs of those in the church and others like him, and uh, we see all throughout the New Testament, God's people being described as generous giving people and we've seen that the last couple of weeks and we asked ourselves are we actually living a life that is characterized by generosity that is characterized by giving in fact we've asked ourselves some questions along the way like does my life reflect the kind of generosity that the new testament says christians ought to have we've asked is the way that i live my life a reflection of god's generosity to the world do they see god's generosity through me and uh, we've asked the question, do I live in a way that shows I believe Jesus' words when he says that a life of giving is more joy-filled than a life of receiving? It, when Jesus says that, do I believe it, and not just say that I believe it, but in the way that I live, does it line up with saying, I believe that a life of giving is way more filled with joy than a life of receiving. And I want us to just review a little to get us all on the same page and to also set up what we're going to talk about today because the aspect of giving that we're going to talk about this morning uh, has to do with the amount that we give. And honestly, this aspect of this topic can can be quite convicting, but it can also come off as offensive if we're not entering into it with the right mindset and heart. And, um, and because really, if we just hear about how much we're to give without remembering the why we give and the attitude in which we give, then we'll come to resent the topic, to be honest. And so in the first week, uh, just to review, we talked about our mindsets that we have when it comes to money. And we said the first one was that we needed to change our view of our resources as I don't have enough to I have more than enough to accomplish that which God has called me to do. And then we uh, uh, said we have to change our mindset of the resources that I have are mine, my resources. we got to change that mindset from my resources to God's resources. And remember that everything that I have is from Him. And then we said that we have to change from a mindset of I'll give when... Like, I'll give when I have more money or when I get a better job and whatever we could attach to that and change our mindset from I'll give and be a generous person when to I'll do it now, that I'll start giving and being a generous person right now, even as I have little, I might, uh, that I might uh, be faithful to what the Lord has called me to do. And then last week, we dove a little more into the why we give. And we said that the motive behind our giving as the people of God finds its root in the generosity of God towards his people, that he has given to us so much, and from that, we in turn uh, respond back to him by giving to him, and then also in turn reflect his giving toward us by being giving people toward other people. And then we uh, unpacked for a few moments God's metric of our giving, and we said it's much less about the percentage and much more about the what? Do you remember what we said last week? Less about the percentage and more about the what? Anybody remember? The heart. The heart. The heart. Uh, So uh, it's much less about the percentage and much more about the heart. Now, because I just said that and reminded us of that, some of you already know probably the technical answer to today's question, does Jesus command us to tithe today? Uh, And if you put two and two together, you know that Tithe means 10% of what we have, and uh, we just said it's less about the percent than about the heart, so you probably, just from putting two and two together, understand that the short answer to does God command us to tithe today, the short answer is no. But we're going to go ahead and take the long answer today, okay, because... It's way too short to end the sermon right now and uh, and we're going to find that the an- the long answer, although the short answer is no, we're not commanded to tide the day the uh, The long answer is yes, kind of, okay, so let's dive into what the Bible uh, says about this as we get back into our series now uh, what what i I want us to get before we even get too far into. Uh, amounts as I want us to remember that the common thread of every week has been this it starts in the heart it has to start in the heart like it 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 must it must you hear me it must start in the heart if it doesn't then we've already started in the wrong place we're starting just by our actions we've already started in the wrong place It has to start in the heart and it has to be motivated by god's generosity to us and motivated by a love for god and a love for people and the simple matter of the fact is that we will give to people that we love we'll give to causes that we love and we'll give to organizations that we love and uh and and we touched on this point in our series in the sermon on the mount from the passage that we just read in matthew chapter number six and when we studied that passage, we found that Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And we came to understand that, well, that we invest in the things that we care about. First of all, we, we know that what I love, I'm going to give money toward it. I'm going to spend money toward my wife. Why? Because I love her. I, I'm going to spend money toward my kids. Why? Because I love them. Uh, I'm going to invest in the things that I love. I'm going to spend money on maybe a certain football team's memorabilia. Why? Because I love them. You know, you just have a care about or a heart for something, naturally your money's going to follow. But we also understood in that passage that what Jesus was telling us was not just a, a diagnostic answer to our heart, but he was also giving us, in the way that he worded it, a way to train our heart. Uh, in, in, w- if you look at the passage and how he, how it flows, what he was saying was, if you give to something, your heart will follow. It's really hard to invest in a relationship over and over and over and not fall more and more in love with the person that you're investing into uh, that relationship, into that relationship. If you're consistently investing time and uh, money and resources to watch football games of a certain uh, football team, you're naturally going to love that team more and more and more. If you invest more and more and more into stocks, it's going to take more of your time and your effort and your heart your heart is going to follow where you invest, so Jesus was also giving us a way to uh, to train our hearts to love what we ought to love you continually invest into something you'll find your mind and heart captivated more and more by that thing and so Jesus then says so invest in eternal things so that you might love the things of God because we're called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what matters for eternity is really the only thing that lasts forever. So that's what we should invest in. Now, if you're like me, you hear messages like that. You hear concepts about uh, what we've been speaking on the last few weeks and you you actually, I don't know if anyone else is like this, but you actually then go look at your finances and see, okay, maybe I should see what's happening here and start to evaluate myself so that I can help gauge myself in this area because money involves numbers and percentages and budgeting and expenses and income. So naturally, when we're gauging ourselves, we're evaluating numbers. We are. And so I would, I, if you haven't done that or you Uh, aren't naturally motivated just to do that, I'd encourage you to do so. And we'll talk a little bit about why in a a moment because it's an easy way to see very tangibly and in black and white what you treasure, where your heart is. And... So if you, were to, uh, if you were to evaluate, I did it this week, uh, earlier in the week, I started to evaluate our, our finances for the year. And if you were to just to look at my uh, wife and I's financial statements, you would find uh, and notice a few things. You would notice that uh, we love our church. And I'm not saying that to uh, toot our own horn, what well, we give to our church. But uh, you would notice from our finances, we love you people, we love this church, and our finances reflect that. You would notice also that we care about our housing that we have a place to live. A good portion of our budget every single month has to go toward rent. Uh, And many of us would be the same case of rent or mortgage that money is going toward. And that's a good portion of uh, what we care about, that we would have a place of living for the people that we take care of and for the people that we love. And so uh, that's something that is a a high expense or an important expense in many of our lives because that's something that we care about. Uh, you would see if you evaluated our finances that uh, that a care for the future you would uh, see that, that you would see some savings in there and an amount that goes to savings every month so that uh, whether that's to buy a house or whether that's an emergency fund that something happens that's out of our control and circumstances that we have cushioned to be able to do that. You would see a care in our finances. You would be able to diagnose our heart that we care about the future. There's a care there about what's going to take place in the future. And uh, if you were to evaluate our yearly expenses, you would see that, Someone in our family really loves Taco Bell, and I don't know who it is, but you would see that (laughs) if you looked at our finances, that uh, someone really does like Taco Bell, and our financial statements reflect that. But what I've found to be true uh, in my life when I evaluate my finances and get convicted about where spending is going, and I see all of these things, I'll do something oftentimes very quickly to ease my conviction. Like, I'll be convicted very quickly about, oh, man, I'm spending a lot of money there. And I'll do something really quick just to kind of ease that conviction, uh, whether that's, uh, you know, writing just a little bit more on the check to the church or find someone in the community who's asking for help and just give to them very quickly. Just, like I said, to ease that conviction that's in my heart about how generous I actually am. But I do so oftentimes without actually addressing the heart issue. Um, and, and it's easy to do that, but we have to understand with money, it's always about the heart. It's always about the heart. Uh, it, it's the root of all of what we're doing with our resources. And here's why we often uh, do something quick to ease our conviction when we see that maybe there's an imbalance in our priorities in this area is because greed likes to hide. Now, most of us, most of us would not think of ourselves as greedy people. If I were to say, you know, let's think about greediness, most of us would instantly go, I know someone who's greedy. <laughs> but we would not necessarily characterize ourselves as greedy. And, uh, and, and one of the reasons for that is because greed is really good at, uh, at hiding in little acts of service and things like that uh, to to ease a conviction of it or to make us feel like we're more generous than we actually do. And we can do those acts without ever actually addressing the heart issue of greed. And I, if I, but yet, greed knows that if I address the heart, it's going to change all of my behaviors. Uh, greed likes to change one little behavior very quickly because it doesn't have to address the heart. And it knows that if I address my heart... It's going to change all of my behaviors and the way that I give. And that's the problem with greed. It hides. It's so dangerous, and yet it's so hard to detect. When it comes to greed, we uh, often think about greedy people and other people, as I said, come to mind, uh, but, but we don't think of ourselves as that way because unlike many other sins, greed has this unique ability to hide and remain undetected in our heart. It's, it's, it's not like lying or stealing or killing like, you do one of those, you know you did it, right, you can't lie, and, and not know you lied, you can't steal, and be like, whoops, I took that, uh, I, I mean, maybe you might do that on accident, but most of the time, that's not going to happen, you can't kill someone, and go, didn't know, it's not like, you commit adultery, and you go, what, you're not my wife, okay, I'm just saying, like, all of these other sins, like, you know when you're committing those sins, right, you yeah, there's an action tied to that sin. But, uh, but greed has a way of, uh, it, it's different and hard to detect because it, it has a way of justifying its action by comparing itself with the action of another person. I think of greed a lot of times we could see someone who is spending a lot of money or another person who could be saving a lot of money and here's the thing, someone who's spending or someone who's saving both could be motivated by greed. Two different actions, but the same root problem, uh, the same root sin there. And uh, <clears throat> greed, it hides by letting us easily off the hook, because you begin to see it or detect it, and it'll find a way to ease the conviction. It's one of those sins where it'll, uh, we justify it by looking at what other people are doing, like... Uh, I think of you know buying buying a new phone. Um, oftentimes, when we buy a new phone, we don't need a new phone. We just want the newest phone because it's better. And uh, in our culture today, especially, we, we spend two to three hundred bucks to upgrade a phone. And uh, and we instead of asking ourselves, uh, could I have put that two or three hundred bucks to something better? Or instead of asking ourselves or asking God and praying if he would have us to uh, invest that in a different thing. Uh, we, we justify it because we go to work the next day and we see other people with the same phone. And we're like, well, they did it, so I, it's okay that I did it. We, uh, we uh, see other people in the church, uh, maybe have that, and we, uh, we justify it because other people did the same thing. Many other sins, they, they're exposed by having community around you, Whereas greed can sometimes hide in community because we see what other people are doing and we justify ourselves based upon what they're doing or that they're doing the same thing and so it's totally okay. And then on the other side, some of us feel good about ourselves in this by saying, well, I don't spend money like that. I don't waste money on new phones. I still have a flip phone, pastor. Like, uh, you know, those old rate, which they're coming back in style. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the commercial. They even, I don't know why, but uh, there was just something about this is totally off topic. Something about hanging up on someone on a flip phone that was awesome. Like, you're angry with it, you slam it. Now, it's just not the same, you know, hitting a button on your phone. It's different, but some of us, we, we think to ourselves, well, I don't do that. I don't spend money like all these people. And, uh, that, and yet, that's another way that greed can hide because we compare ourselves and always find someone who's spending more or saving more or loves money more than we do. And greed hides in that way. As long as we can find someone else who does it more or loves money more than us, we let ourselves off the hook. But we can, uh, we can be greedy even with our savings. And really, even if you're uh, saving, you you have we have to understand that even when you're saving, you're spending it on something. You're purchasing something. You're just purchasing security or safety or something in the future. But we're still purchasing something with uh, with saving. But greed is so dangerous and yet it can hide. It's it's a cancer to uh, our, our spiritual life and yet it shows itself as benign oftentimes. And so we have to find how can we detect this sin in our lives that so often can hide and be justified easily. How can we detect greed in our lives? And the way that we do it is this, we look at our giving. And the reason for it is because Greed can hide in spending and it can hide in saving, but it cannot hide in giving. Generosity is the opposite of greediness. Giving is the other side of uh, greediness. The the light, giving is the light that exposes the darkness of greed in our hearts. And uh, generosity is the opposite of greed. And so when asking ourselves if we're greedy, we have to evaluate our giving because giving is the litmus test that God has provided so that we can detect that which is often difficult to detect. And the biblical test of giving that God offered in the Old Testament was the tithe. Uh, Tithing, it was a command, if you were to look at Leviticus chapter 27, is when it's mentioned in a few verses, and uh, other uh, passages allude to it in the Old Testament. But uh, in in the Old Testament, tithing was a command that God gave his people To give a tenth, that's what the tithe means, a tenth of all that God had given to you. You would give it back to God, 10% of it. Now, what what was the point of that? Why would God do it like that? Why would he not just say, I want to give you this much, but I need 10%, so here's 90% of it. Why would he not do that? Well, the reason he didn't do that uh, is because he knows everything he gives us is from him. But the tithe helped his people to then in their, cognizantly, and in their hearts, recognize, God, you know everything you give us comes from us. The tithe is our way of showing you we understand everything we have comes from you, and we give this back to you. It was a, a command that the Lord had given to them so that they might know all that they had came from God. And, and sometimes, we, we uh, hear that and we go, well, what do you... We slip into that mindset that says, what do you mean everything I had come from God? I work hard for my money. Like, I, I do hard work to get that money. But then we got to think through uh, what the Bible talks about of uh, who gave you the brain that you have to do the job that you are doing, who gave you the breath that you're breathing and the strength that you have to accomplish the job, that you're doing. In Acts chapter 17, verse 24 and 25, it says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands, neither is he worshiped with uh, with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. He giveth to all. He gives to every single person life and breath and everything. Every single thing that we have comes from Him And the tithe command was simply this, do you believe that all you have comes from God? That's really what the principle was to teach them. Do you believe that everything you have comes from God? And most of us, we would say, yeah, I believe that. I believe that everything I have comes from God. But we can't just trust our own answer to that because greed, as I said, can hide all too well. We have to use the litmus test that God has given us, and the tithe command was the Old Testament litmus test. You could know whether you believed all that you had come for, had come from God by whether you gave the tithe or not. That's how they would know that. And so, what do you really believe was the question that they would have to ask themselves? And the Lord, He says to His people in Malachi chapter number three, they had gotten to a point where many of them weren't giving anymore. They didn't. Uh, they no longer believed everything that they had co- uh, had had come from God. And God speaking to them said will a man rob god yet ye have robbed me but you say wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings you're cursed with a curse for ye have robbed me even this whole nation bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith saith the lord of hosts if i will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be enough a room enough to receive it what is god saying to his people here He's sternly and directly saying that when you don't bring your tithe, you're robbing me. You're not bringing to me what belongs to me. You're not believing that everything you have comes from me. You're refusing to believe it. And he tells his people in Malachi, put me to the test. He says, I'm I'm not a stingy God trying to take things from you. That's not what this is about. I'm not some stingy God that says, no, that's mine. You gotta give it to me. I'm actually a giving God and I gave it to you in the first place. And I want to bless you even more, I'm not a stingy God who's trying to take things away from you. I'm a father who wants to give. Now, if you're a parent in here, you might see what's taking place here because, as a parent, we have a heart of giving toward our children, don't we? <laughs> like, I, I don't want to take away from my kids. I don't want. I want to give them the world. I want to give them as much as I can. I want to give them uh, everything, but. If I look at my child and they're being stingy, you look at them and see that they have a problem with sharing and they have a very selfish heart. You see them fighting with their siblings over toys. What do we often do? We walk over there and we go, I will take it all away. <laughs> I'll throw it in the trash, all of it, right? Have you, how many parents have said that, okay? I know I have. I'll take it all away if you're not going to share, okay? You got, I'll get rid of all of it. But when I see a heart of generosity in them, I want to reward it. I have this heart to reward them so much more than I already wanted to give them. Felicity and Ellery, when I see them share with the other one or with another kid something that they have, I think of a couple of weeks ago, Ellery uh, had a fruit snack, and uh, she only gets one a day. That's the rule, one fruit snack a day, and uh, and uh, she had one fruit snack, and a couple of other kids uh, were over, and we were all playing, and they said, hey, can I have some? And she just she just started sharing some of it, like no no holds backs at all it was here here's some fruit snacks you know what dad did gave her a second fruit snack that day why because i love seeing generosity in my kids and i want to reward it even more i want to lavish on them even more than i had already given them when i see that and uh, i respond like that because i see a heart of generosity in my kid and it brings me so much joy to give them even more as a result and that's the heart of our father here when he's speaking He's saying, Show me a heart of giving. Show me a heart of generosity. Show a heart that is like mine toward you. Show that heart, and I will show you how much more I want to give you. I'm not trying to take away, I'm actually trying to bless, is what God is saying to his people here in Malachi. But we hear all that, and. Oftentimes then we talk about money and we say, well, that's all Old Testament. All those passages are Old Testament, the 10%. The tithe is in the Old Testament, and that doesn't apply to us today. And I would have to initially agree. I would say, you're right. It's an Old Testament command. It's not a a law that is carried over into the New Testament. We don't see any uh, one saying, and so you must tithe uh, based on what the Old Testament is like we do some other commands of the moral law passed over into the New Testament. We don't see that. So it doesn't directly apply to us today, but this, I want us to see the contrast between Old Testament and New Testament in this way. This passage in Malachi shows us this principle to God's people. Obey God, give, and then you will be blessed. Obey God, give, and then you will be blessed. That was the Old Testament principle. But what is that the giving principle of the New Testament? That we obey God, we give, and then we are blessed. Is that the New Testament uh, pr- giving principle? Well, let's look at a few verses. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 3, it says this. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us, that's past tense, okay, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. How did we receive all these blessings in the heavenly places. How do we receive such a blessing? Through Christ. Because we earned it? No, because God so freely gave Jesus and because Jesus so freely gave himself. So in the New Testament, we see, uh, and there are other verses, but uh, for for sake of time, uh, we see God saying, I'm not withholding, I'm pouring out all, every spiritual blessing. Not because you've earned it, but because you're my child, I'm your father and I love you, and I'm not withholding anything from you. So in light of the gospel, this news that tells us God did not withhold anything from us, he did not even spare his own son, as Paul writes. He, he didn't even spare his own son. How should that truth, the truth of the New Testament, of the gospel, how should that then affect, really, I would ask it this way, how should that uh, destroy the greed in our hearts? If we see all that we've been given, how should that then affect the greed in our lives, and how should that truth impact our giving? How much should we give? Should we give the same as the Old Testament? Should we tithe and nothing more? Because if we do that, what we're saying is that nothing changed in the New Testament, that Jesus changed nothing. Jesus did not tithe on the cross. If you look at it, he did not tithe his blood. He shed all of it. He did not tithe his life. He only uh, died a little bit, 10%. No, he gave it all, he laid all that he had there on the cross, and he poured it all out for us. And so our giving should reflect that precious truth. But instead, many of us would like to argue that tithing is an Old Testament command. And why do we argue it? Not because we, no, we don't go, well, that's an Old Testament command, so we, we should give more. That's not why we bring it up. We bring it up to say, well, that's an Old Testament more, so we can, we can give less right? That's that's the reason we often then argue is tithing is an Old Testament uh, command, so we should give less, but the reality is tithing is an Old Testament command, so we should give more because of what took place in the New Testament. Uh, the The giving of God's own Son and all that the Lord gave to us, the suffering and pain that Jesus went through for you and for me should all that we see Jesus give in his torture, death, burial, and resurrection, should all of that motivate us to give less or should that motivate us to give more? If our giving showed the world what God has done in the New Testament right now, we're telling the world that God has given much less and done much less in the New Testament than he did in the Old Testament. Because in the, in the Old Testament, God's people tithed 10%. It was the absolute standard. But the average American church member today gives 2.5% of their income. Two and a half percent of their income, with many in churches not giving anything at all. What kind of gospel are we pointing to and telling the world of when we give like that? The reality is this, we need to preach a better gospel by the way that we give. So we ask, okay, well then how much do I have to give? And we're still asking the wrong question. In light of the gospel, the gospel should change the question from how much do I have to give to how much do I dare keep? How much do I dare keep? In in light of this gospel where God gives us everything and so much more, uh, I I should ask myself, how much do I dare keep in light of that truth? The heart of greed says, how much do I have to give? The heart of generosity says, how much do I get to give? Now, uh, listen, I I don't want, I, I want you to understand before I get too far with all this that I'm not saying I'm not standing up here and positing that every single person who doesn't at least give 10% of their income to the church is in sin. not saying that at all. Some in here might be hearing this and say, 10% is legitimately impossible. The financial state I'm in right now, 10% is actually impossible. I understand that that can be the case. That can be the case in people's lives. What I want us to see, I don't want to stand here and laden you with burdens that the Lord has not put on you to bear, okay? I'm not here saying, well, give it all, and, you know, just, I'm not here to say that, but I want us to uh, say, I I do want to say this, and I, I want you to hear me. The Old Testament standard was the tithe, but the New Testament standard is the cross, okay? I do want us to understand this, because what that means is if we're going to give in accordance with the standard of the New Testament, it will require sacrifice. It will require sacrifice. It may not always be feasible or possible to give at least 10%, but if what we give requires no sacrifice, what gospel are we preaching through our giving? What are we saying about what God has sacrificed for us if we're not willing to sacrifice for him? And oftentimes, we actually would be Able to give ten percent or more, but we're selfish and we think that actually I need as much coffee as I pay for, I need as many T V subscriptions as I pay for, I need to eat out as much as I eat out. And we there are many things. If we really had a heart of giving and a heart of service to the Lord, we could probably get closer to ten percent than we think we could. But although it's not always feasible, the, the principle is this it should require sacrifice if we're going to give in accordance with the truth of the gospel. Uh, in all actuality, we we should be giving to the point where we go without at times. Jesus, he surrendered the riches of heaven, heaven, everything, giving to the point that it hurts. We should also be willing to give to the point where we're actually sacrificing something. That kind of giving, that points to the cross, doesn't it? When we give in that way. But too often in our lives, we're not willing to go without. What if we were willing to go without the nicest cars, the nicest houses, or more, in order that we might give in abundance to the work of God and that we might be a blessing to other people? That we would be living a life pointing people to a person named Jesus who, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, though he was rich, for our sakes he became poor. Why? So that through his poverty, we might become rich. Because of his becoming poor, we became rich. We were made rich. What if we, as Christians, those who are supposed to be like Christ, were willing to not be rich in order that others might be rich, in order that God's work and the message of his gospel could help the needs of those who need it here in our community and around the world? You know, it's easy to come up with excuses for why we can't give or why we shouldn't give. And it's easy to hide our greed with those excuses. Well, I'm in debt. I'm in college. I don't, have enough, I don't have enough of an income. I don't have much of an income. But church, listen, our giving doesn't start when we get a job. Our giving doesn't start when we have better income. Our giving starts when you get saved. Because the, the reality is this. The only people who are exempt from giving are those who have been giving no, given nothing by God those are the only people exempt from giving, are the people who have been given nothing nothing by God. But if you look at your life and you notice God has given you anything, just one thing, you already have a reason to give. And if you really start to evaluate it and notice all the ways that he has given you of his unsearchable riches, as we learned in Ephesians, then you have an obligation to give and be generous in order that you might point people to his generosity. So, in light of the truth of the gospel, we must ask ourselves, in what ways can I sacrifice? In what ways can I do without? In what ways can I give even to the point that it might hurt? And we must pray, God, what are you calling me to do so that in my generosity, I'm responding in faith to your promises and so that I'm pointing people to your generosity in the giving of your own son and giving me the gospel? Lord, how can I give In a way that reflects these truths god the the amount of time i give to people does it reflect how much time you put into me lord the the amount of investment into people i'm not just we're not just talking about money here although that's the topic of the the month we're not just talking about that all resources we have are given by god are we then taking those resources and stewarding them in a way that then exemplifies the very gospel of jesus christ where he gave all and became poor so that we might become rich. Not asking ourselves, how much do I have to give, but asking God, would you help me to see and evaluate how much I am able to give by the gl- for the glory of your name and the furtherance of your kingdom? Just think, what could God do if those were the kind of questions we're asking? What kind of effect could Ridge Point Baptist Church have? And could each of every one of us have individually in our church and in the lives of people in our community and all around the world, if the questions we were asking wasn't, okay, how much do I have to give? But Lord, with what you've given me, how would I be able then to do the most that I can for your glory and for the furtherance of your kingdom? What could God do with a church that's asking those kinds of questions? Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at winachichurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends. Hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media. And tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.